to My Talk, the podcast series brought to you by ISS Market Intelligence. If you're interested in what is happening in the global financial services marketplace, be it asset, wealth management, life insurance, banking, fintech, you have come to the right place. Count on My Talk each month to keep you um, appraised of developments in the business and also peek under the hood of the industry headlines with the help um, of some industry experts. And also a reminder, if you enjoyed this episode of My Talk, please subscribe to our podcast on your preferred podcast platform. There will be monthly episodes, and in some months we do more than one, and they will always feature thought leaders in the world of asset and wealth management, life insurance, and banking. My name is Goshka Folda. I'm your host and Global Head of Research at ISS Market Intelligence. Today's episode will continue our research, ex- recent exploration of topics um, in the intermediated advice arena in the US, uh, but this time we will shift our focus to a life insurance wealth product annuities. And to help me flesh out this topic, I'm joined by our internal expert, um, uh, a well-known figure in the life insurance business in the US, Mark Jeffries. Mark is an associate principal at ISS Market Intelligence, a member of the product engagement specialist team, uh, where he works with Ashley Wood, who was um, a, um, a guest host on our previous par- podcast, where he manages the firm's insurance and annuity client relationships. And Mark um, has um, a, a, the, the privilege of working with a lot of leaders in the life insurance business in the US and is uh, absolutely chock full of, of, of color and knowledge about um, uh, ARENA. And today's focus will be annuities. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Gosh. Good pleasure to be here. Thank you. So, Mark, let's start maybe with uh, kind of a, a bit of a classic question whenever I like to talk about the life insurance industry. Um, what are some of the current um, economic environment uh, factors that uh, that are impacting the annuity uh, product segment? Uh, what do you see um, that kind of macroeconomic and rising interest rate backdrop as translating in terms of implications for annuities? Yeah, I think at a high level, really, the, the macroeconomic factors had led to an explosion in the sales of annuities, where 2022 is on pace to have a, a, you know, a banner, if not record year. And I think you know, the demand for annuities increases when consumers perceive higher risks related to the economy and perhaps an imminent or looming recession and seek portfolio protection. So you know, what, is, what does that mean from an annuity product point of view. We've seen that the gains in annuity sales have primarily been driven by the sales of fixed rate and fixed index products, while VA products have experienced some pretty considerable declines relative to the past few years. And just to further expand on that, so fixed index and fixed rate sales, you know, rising interest rates and increased market volatility, you know, investors are, are seeking uh, protected growth options, looking for principal protection with with limited growth potential. And when Federal Reserve rates um, increase, insurance companies can typically earn more more in bond yields, which allows them to offer higher rates to their customers, which which in turn has made those fixed rate and fixed index annuities more attractive when thinking about what type of other financial levers they are being sold against. Bank CDs in particular, the current rates on those fixed products are three to four times what you could what you could 
um, garner by going into a bank and purchasing um, a CD. And it's no surprise that the vast majority of fixed rate um, annuity sales are being driven through the bank broker dealer channel. Yeah, so that's uh, really, I think, a reaffirmation of perhaps um, something that we have seen um, in the business um, throughout the past uh, 30 years, 30 plus years that I have been observing it uh, in, 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 in the fact that both annuities and, and uh, broad, more broadly um, risk management or principal protected products are typically counter cyclical play to both the macroeconomic environment and the uh, and the uh, and the market volat- uh, volatility. So I think that's a really really good point that there is definitely a greater interest both on the part of the investors and um, and uh, and uh, advisors for sure. Um, and we're seeing this on both sides of the border actually. Um, and you know you mentioned rising interest rates, but from that perspective so it seems like the demand is well articulated annuities particularly of the fixed um, uh, uh, kind are doing very well the business volumes are strong Um, you said a banner year but what are some of the challenges um, for um, carriers um, uh, as they offer or as they emerge from the from the COVID years and uh, and really try to capture that uh, that emerging uh, opportunity. Yeah, I would say from a, a you know I think sticking to the product theme for the moment here is that some of the the annuity products that have driven you know the market over the past few years, i.e., the variable annuity family of products has come under you know, great duress and headwinds just given the macroeconomic climate climate where those traditional VAs that you know are are you know tied to equities they have sub accounts um, you know, they are more risky and as a result you know, consumers are less apt to put their client dollars or their dollars into those traditional VAs another product that has been really the the darling of the VA or annuity industry over the past few years, registered index linked annuities, those sales have, you know, they've remained strong, but they've been tempered over the past few quarters relative to the explosive growth that was achieved in 2020 and 2021. As one of the the core benefits of the registered index linked annuities is that there is a buffer or floor on the products, meaning you can only lose up to a, a, well, you are the downside protection is up to a minimum uh, percentage. And then after that, the consumer is is on the hook. And we've really never seen this degree of a market downturn to test the buffers and floors in place, right? And speaking to Ryla, you know, there's been a prolifer- proliferation of Ryla products that have essentially saturated the market over the past two years. Um, and they are also now competing with fixed index products, where, which now all of a sudden have more attractive rates associated with them. And they also have um, zero downside. You know, they have full downside protection while still being able to capture some of the market upside. So I think the traditional VA product line is certainly you know, strained at the moment. Ryla sales, while doing doing well and chugging along, you know, have been tempered versus what we've seen in 2020 in 2021. And, you know, I think just the overall increased competition, particularly on the fixed rate and fee side, where it is really a, a rate driven environment, and carriers are really having to be aware of, you know, that that rate game, 
and position themselves. Yes, and I think that you mentioned, uh, uh, I think uh, in, in passing here, the proliferation of products uh, and really the, the the competition on the advisor shelf, which is again uh, uh, almost uh, reverberating the theme that we discussed with with uh, with Ashley and uh, Jeff Duckworth last week, uh, last month about that kind of you know you have to bring your A game to compete and stand out on the shelf. So what are some uh, some uh, kind of um, uh, evolving themes in terms of? advisors, their preferences, and how can carriers really break through, if you will, through that that uh, that busy and, and crowded shelf? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the shelf and, and more, more carriers out there, more products that are very similarly designed rates, you know, are generally in, in the, you know, in the ballpark, so to speak. Obviously, each, each carrier has a different strategy in place, but, you know, by and large, they're you know, rate is a big criteria which with which advisors use to differentiate. But I think really from also a, an annuity carrier point of view, it's the overall advisor engagement. And, you know, as Ashley and you and Jeff were, were discussing last week, the advisor behavior post, post-COVID or as we emerge from, from the pandemic has changed. And it's almost as, you, as if you need to approach each relationship as if it's new to understand the preferred engagement pattern. So number of days that advisors are spending in the office, do they prefer to meet in person, You know, per- perhaps Zoom, perhaps a combination of in-person or virtual. And, you know, in, in fact, we, you know, market metrics, ISS MI runs an annual annuity sales force study. And I've actually pulled a couple quotes from um, wholesalers that I think are, are pretty telling to the current challenges that that you know external sales teams are facing in the industry. And just to, to quote a couple of folks here, the whole landscape has changed. Advisors aren't in the office as much, yet they don't want to meet over Zoom typically. So the number of meetings I'm able to have to get have dwindled because it has to be a meal or happy hour or something extra to get them out. And at the same time, many carriers are also grappling with what the appropriate TD budgets should look like to foster appropriate engagement. Um, so, you know, a couple of key themes is that you know, pandemic has altered the tradition of, of honoring wholesaler FA engagement on a daily basis. FAs are, are not are more comfortable than ever to dismiss the meetings or even not show up at all. You know, basically just the access to advisors and their overall preferences have changed and it's more difficult to get, to get those meetings scheduled, whether they be... Uh, in person, face to face, or or via some virtual means. So I find that to be uh, probably um, really fascinating from the perspective of any uh, life insurance product, including annuities. And you know, let's just pick uh, the the realas um, uh, or or ILAs. Um, you know, these are more complex products to explain, and one would. Um, Imagine that, you know, while I think, uh, uh, you know, being detached from advisors face to face in a traditional mutual fund, 40 Act fund might be certainly is not ideal, but can be overcome. But when it comes to these products that have uh, kind of tweaks of features and important uh, aspects to them that need to really sometimes be considered and debated and discussed, I, I think that that's probably a, a pretty a pretty big development that you're seeing uh, from uh, from uh, kind of advisor and engagement perspective for annuities providers. 
Yeah, absolutely. They are they are not the most simplistic um, products, if you will. So it is very important for those wholesalers to get in front of advisors to articulate the value and perhaps how their product differs from some of their competitors and how that product could, could meet the specific needs of, of an advisor's clients. And that's becoming more difficult to do, right? And it's it's about finding that appropriate balance or really on a on a case-by-case basis, those folks in the field, you know, getting a better understanding of, of the preferences of their of their top advisors, of the the offices in their you know, territories, so to speak, so that they can most effectively um, engage and get their product messaging across. Yeah. And again, a bit of a paradox, right? Because the demand is there and the you know, um, and I think the carriers are ready to jump into the fray, but advisors are saying, okay, um, you know, well, you'll have to fit into our uh, life uh, game plan uh, and or work life game plan. Um, and and it's really an evolving, um, evol- evolving topic. And I know that you repeat the study, so it'll be really interesting to see next year's results. Um, just to uh, complete that line of thought about the kind of the, the uniqueness of the products. Um, and uh, sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but uh, there was a question that really uh, popped at me. Uh, what's happening to the VAs with the guaranteed life benefit um, uh, um, um, component? Because again, uh, VAs, uh, you know, any market sensitive uh, strategy or product um, is right now punished, mm-hmm. uh, understandably so. Um, uh, but, you know, when you think about the mass of uh, uh, current and future retirees that are coming uh, into the focus of their retirement uh, uh, ramp um, in the next uh, year, two years, five years, you would think that these are products that still would be incredibly compelling. What's happening with that uh, uh, subcategory? Yeah. So, and we, and I, and I believe what you're referring to are those tr- traditional variable annuities with with those lifetime income riders associated with them. And I think mm-hmm. what we've seen, and this was even, this has probably been a, a trend that's been emerging for you know 18 to 24 months at this point. But you know, even with recent rising interest rates, which which generally prop up bonds and other fixed income assets that are used to support guarantees. We've seen that the industry overall remains on a on a path to to de-risking, meaning that carriers are pivoting away from or making pivots to less interest rate sensitive and more more capitalized products, basically with with low guarantees, right? So that the the risk is not as much associated with their with their balance sheet. And I think the best example of this is is carriers pivoting away from VAs with lifetime income guarantees to registered index linked annuities and. Going along with that, traditional VAs, I mean, there are less carriers that are offering those types of products, and the current economic environment doesn't necessarily favor those. And also another trend that we see is just a, a movement towards lower fee-based or lower fee-structured products, which those traditional VAs um, certainly are not. So that's why we've seen you know, the emergence of that, that RILA segment where you can experience market gains and have some level of downside protection with a, a lower f- lower fee type of, of construct. Yeah, Mark, I think that's really interesting. And that theme of um, really trying to manage the balance sheet of the of the carrier 
is one that is absolutely a global theme. And we have seen uh, the fact of withdrawal in some jurisdictions, including um, a, a huge reduction of these uh, guaranteed lifetime income riders um, in, in jurisdictions like in Canada, which uh, where the carriers are moving into the um, IFRS 17 uh, regime, which which is even uh, you could argue a little bit more punitive in terms of of uh, marking to mark uh, market a lot of these long-term liabilities. But that's a topic for another session. We're going to have one on life insurance. <laughs> and I'll then dig into that. I do want to talk a little bit about some specific um, advisor needs and preferences. You um, you shared with me some ideas about kind of critical drivers of satisfaction uh, for um, for the various types of producers. Uh, could you maybe talk a little bit about uh, what you found uh, through the through the study about uh, that topic? Yeah, absolutely. So we run an annual study through the Market Metrics Research Suite where we inter we conduct interviews with um, annuity producers, and we then are able to run some analysis to determine what are the most important elements that they are evaluating carriers on, and what what are the levers that carriers can pull to better position themselves to win business. And a couple of those, what we deem to be critical drivers that emerge, are you know first and foremost. And going back to one of the, the previous topics here is is field sales support. So to reiterate, understanding the specific preferences of advisors and creating meaningful touch points, you know, whether that be in person or via virtual meetings. You know, we're not ever going back to, to the traditional field wholesaler function of all in-person meetings. So it's critically important to effectively understand preferences and make those touch points meaningful. So certainly field sales support. The product itself can, you know, it will continue and always will be a, a critical driver. And just to go through those product categories, fixed via, you know, it, it is more of a commoditized type of product where it's primarily rate driven. Thinking about registered index linked annuities, attractiveness of the rates, certainly low expense structure, having a suitable buffer and floor, features such as performance locks. From a traditional VA point of view, you know, as I noted, there's been a movement away from those types of products. And one of the drivers is that consumers or, or clients are looking for lower um, fee type of products. So traditional VA point of view, low base contract fees, attractiveness of that income rider, which we touched upon, open architecture to be able to select the type of, of sub accounts and investments that your dollars are going to be placed into. And then I think from an overarching point of view, just the simplicity of product design. There's been a, a growing complexity of products and it's becoming more and more difficult for the wholesaler to go to the advisor, for the advisor to go to their client to articulate the value in a, in a coherent manner, right? So just the simplicity of, of product you know, is, is certainly paramount. And then from an operational support and problem resolution point of view. And this is really the advisor and their experience in doing business with carriers. From the new business processing, so we think about the application, suitability review, policy issuance, and right on down to, you know, enforced servicing and telephone support. So these back office functions and service desks have, have been under some strain um, due to booming business and also some of the, the labor shortages that, that have surfaced. So for carriers to be able to execute from a new business and operational point of view is, is certainly uh, 
will move the needle and that those advisors want the the business to be as seamless and straightforward as possible. And I think lastly, touching more of a macro level here, is just the financial strength and reputation of those those annuity carriers, right? They are balancing their their balancing balance sheets. They are having to you know, fund all of these products. There's considerations such as the company standing. Is it a mutual company? Is it publicly traded? Is it private equity backed? What is their S&P or AM best credit ratings? So those all come into consideration. And also carriers have sold off blocks of business, um, reinsured, um, et cetera. So the overall financial strength and reputation is also one of those key criteria with which the advisors are are evaluating carriers on. Yeah, that's that's really great points, Mark. And if I can summarize on the product, I, I love what you talked about. So low fee um, flexibility, as in open architecture and access to different investment strategies, and simplicity. Uh, these uh, these uh, should be the mantra of uh, of any product development uh, developer, both in in the life insurance and uh, in the uh, certainly in the investment world as well. Um, so um, we are kind of running close to the end uh, of our chat, but I wanted to um, maybe for you to highlight a few key trends that you see in the annuity market as we look ahead to 2023. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of these themes are, are a bit overlapping of what we've already touched upon. But I think from a product point of view, we'll continue to see fixed rate and fixed index products be, quote unquote, the, the hot items into 2023, given market uncertainty and the continued um, high interest rates, which keep rates attractive to consumers. I think from a, a traditional VA point of view, you know, hopefully those rebound, but they are you know, at the beholden to the economic environment as well. And if we see a rebounding in the equity markets, consumers will be more comfortable in putting their their dollars into those traditional VAs that, that are more susceptible and have limited market protection. I think you know another another key trend is which we really didn't touch on is the growth of the the fee-based or advisory industry. And that continues to be talked about as the, the next big big thing, but as it stands According to our data, about 95% of VA sales are still commission-based. And of the 5% of fee-based or advisory annuities sold, 40% are through RIAs. So you know, that is continuing to be a, you know, a, a growth opportunity, but we haven't really seen that you know, explode um, to date. And then in, in closing here, just to talk about from a sales and distribution point of view, I think we'll continue to see the evolution of, of sales teams from both a staffing allocation and structure vantage point. We've seen a number of, of carriers um, restructure, de-channelize, meaning that their wholesalers are calling on multiple channels across, across the wires, regional bank and independence, perhaps updating their, their territory construction thinking about hybrid deployment, given that, you know, at one point during the, the height of the pandemic, everyone was, was quote unquote hybrid. And then lastly, just continuing to see carriers become more data savvy, leverage a lot of, you know, frankly, the, the work that ISS market intelligence does to become uh, more savvy in an effort to make wholesaling more efficient. So 
know, at a high level, a lot of, a lot of things to look forward to in 2023 and, and see how, you know, the, the market evolves. But, you know, I think it's been a really um, strong year from an annuity point of view. And uh, I think a lot of exciting things to come. Well, um, thank you, Mark. Um, uh, this has been just most uh, illuminating and uh, a fascinating topic. Uh, I'll, I'll have to tell you that I originally started observing uh, uh, observing the, the Canadian version of uh, variable annuities um, in Canada uh, when it was just taking off in in '95 as a young analyst. So I uh, they hold they do hold a, a special place in my heart. Uh, so thank you so much, and I love the point that you just landed about the fact that you know um given the competitive landscape proliferation of product and providers and uh, you know somewhat tricky advisor engagement um you know having data driven strong powerful distribution strategy is probably the best route to success and to securing growth uh in this segment um, thank you so much, um, uh, Mark, for uh, uh, today's um, uh, discussion. And that is a wrap for us this month. And it is a wrap for this year. In the new year, we will be returning with um, a, an episode focused on Canadian um, investment fund uh, and deposit flows, a hot topic, uh, also in this rising interest rate and potentially recessionary environment and with market volatility accompanying us almost on a daily basis. We will also be returning returning with Mark and a, a discussion of life insurance um, in the US. But I wanted to thank all of my guests for this year um, uh, for their valuable contributions. And most of all, I would like to thank all of you listeners um, for embarking on this podcast journey uh, with us and so kindly coming along for the ride as I found my footing in this new medium, which is uh, podcasting. If you enjoyed this episode, um, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast um, uh, to uh, keep up to date with our monthly episodes. Um, as well, feel free to ping us with any ideas about specific topics or industry guests you would like for us to feature. Thank you. And on behalf of ISS Market Intelligence, I would like to wish you all a very, very um, happy and wonderful holiday season.